This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, it's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix momentarily, your daily assist. Of course, Chris, senior NBA writer at Sports Illustrated. We'll talk to him about the Jazz, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on the trade deadline as well, Fine. as uh, we have not had a chance to talk to him since that occurred. It's always a pleasure talking with Chris. It is. It is always a pleasure. In fact, let's get to it. It's time for the Open. Go ahead, Austin. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Chris, happy Monday. How are you? Chris, you with us? I'm with you. What's going on, guys? Happy Monday. We appreciate you jumping on, as always. Uh, Talking a little bit about the Jazz today. They beat Memphis twice over the weekend. And uh, really, um, Donovan Mitchell had what you could argue is uh, his best game of the year, Chris. He scored 35 points on just 17 shots. Uh, Can you talk, uh, I guess, a little bit about what a couple of wins over Memphis does? We talked about him last week. Kind of sneaky good. Yeah, I mean, look, Memphis is solid, no question. But when I'm watching the Jazz, um, really over the last week, in addition to the last couple of games, uh, it is Mitchell and his scoring and how he's doing it in an efficient way. I do think, watch them, they've you know rediscovered their defensive identity, which was you know something that was that went AWOL for a minute after the All-Star break. And you know, we know Utah's identity is tied directly to how well it defends, how easy the easy opportunities you can get off that great defense. So when you combine those two things together, you know the defense reforming and and Donovan taking his game to another level. Um, you know you you get the team that we've seen for most of the season. Chris, we've talked with you in the past about the need for a superstar type player for a great team, and I agree with what Jake said. And I wanted to get your thoughts on: Is Donovan Mitchell of the caliber now that he can lead a team against the best teams in the league in a playoff situation? What's your best guess? I think he is, and I think a part of that is the natural evolution of Donovan Mitchell, the player. I mean, he's still very young, just a few years into this league, so he had to grow and and you know, become the player that we're seeing right now. I think the other part of it, which is just as big, is that he is now, for the first time in his career, surrounded by championship-level teammates from Mike Conley to Rudy Gobert to Joe Ingles and, you know, guys that can make plays and and don't put an overwhelming amount of pressure on you. I mean, look, I always laugh at, at, you know, people that kind of anoint Jordan as the greatest of all time. You know, Jordan probably is the greatest of all time, but let's not forget what Jordan was in the 80s, all right, when, when he was bowing out in the first round and not making the playoffs. 
It wasn't until he got championship-level teammates that he became this playoff assassin. And, look, a lot of that, much of that was Michael Jordan's greatness, but, you know, you can't – the NBA is not an individual game. You, it's not boxing. You, you need great teammates around you. And this is the first year that Mitchell, I think, has had the level of teammates that should allow him to – uh, you know, play at a championship level. Now, all that being said, you don't know until you know. And, you know, when you get into that, that the postseason, you know, Mitchell's going to have opportunities to prove himself as a playoff performer. And if he does, he's, he's going to, you know, take this team to a whole nother level. But it's, it is one of those things that until you actually see it, you uh, can only guess if it's there. Going back to the Grizzlies for a second, because believe it or not, the Jazz play them, not uh, tonight. They have the the Cavs, but they play them again on Wednesday, three times against the same team in in six nights, which is pretty crazy. But uh, we're getting an up-close-and-personal look at John Morant and uh, what he's capable of. He had a great night Friday, not so much on Saturday. uh, But uh, give me your thoughts on his potential, and if you were advising him on what to add to his game next, what would you tell him? You know, he's another one of those guys that – you can just see eventually he's going to get there. I mean, you saw the way he played as a rookie, just the the Russell Westbrook-like kind of explosiveness uh, to his game. He's added more, some more finesse to it uh, as of late. I think that's what's going to have to, to continue. I mean, one of the reasons that Westbrook, you know, just hasn't materialized as that successful playoff performer is that he hasn't added much finesse to his game. He's still this kind of bull in a china shop, and you know it, it can be successful in a lot of ways, but it, it makes you a little bit predictable. I mean, for John Morant, it's all about becoming more and more unpredictable. Just keep refining that three-point shot. Don't be overly dependent on your athleticism because that athleticism will eventually wane, or it's going to be something defenses can scheme against uh, when you get into uh, into bigger situations. But he's... He's excellent. Look, they've been doing this all season without Jaron Jackson and, and a lineup that's been ravaged by injuries and COVID issues, and he still kept them kind of in that playoff mix. So I, I, I look at John Morant as being really a true future star in this league once, once he gets, as we talked about with Mitchell, you know, the kind of teammates around you that can make you successful. Chris, we want to ask you about some of the moves in the NBA. But before we get to that, let me let me ask you, getting back to the Jazz, you said you don't know until you know. Uh, a story that got a little run around these parts uh, from the other night, Doc Rivers was asked about who the best teams in the West are. I think the Sixers were playing the Clippers or something, and he was asked about that. And he said that the, the Clippers and the Lakers are the best teams in the West. He doesn't. He said the Jazz are playing well. Yeah, but, and the Suns. Yeah, but. So is this just a case of until the Jazz prove it in the playoffs that they are going to be always preceded by yeah, but? Uh, probably. And and look, I think some of that is is fair. Um, you know, Doc Rivers was was playing the last time the Jazz were successful in the playoffs. I mean, you go back to the days in, in the 1990s. And, you know, since then they've been, they've had their moments obviously with the Darren Williams years and Gordon Hayward years and all that, but I have not been a championship level contender. Uh, same thing you say with the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they've been kind of a laughing stock for most of the last five years. It's hard for people to kind of wrap their heads around these teams that, that haven't a lo- don't have a long track record of playoff success as being on the same level as some of the premier teams. I think it is a little bit funny that, 
I mean, maybe it's self-interest, but Doc throwing the Clippers in that mix. I mean, the Clippers have been the ultimate letdown year after year. Every time they get punched in the mouth, they fold. So it's it's sort of hard to to look at them as being true championship contenders as well. But look, I I just think this is and again this is the first year that the Jazz to me look like a team that should compete or win the Western Conference. You know, if if this team gets beat in the first second round. There'll be a lot of questions that have to be answered because I don't think that the Jazz have experienced their growing pains. They've, you know, they had the the seven game heartbreak in the bubble last year. They've had playoffs ups and downs in recent years. This is the year they, I think, they need to put it all together. So if they do, which I think they're fully capable of, um, you're not going to hear much of that Doc Rivers type talk ever again because it, once they prove it, uh, you'll you'll be more likely to believe what you see during the regular season. Chris, we saw the most moves ever at the trade deadline. Who had the best day? Uh, I mean, there are probably a few teams that you can point to. I think Denver did really well. Um, you know, you're not going to get out of the Western Conference unless you have, a, you know, a good defensive-minded three-four man, someone that can match up with LeBron and with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and all the, you know, all the, the go down the list. Even throw Devin Booker in there, I guess. But they're just those guys that play the two, three, four spots that uh, you need a good defender. And Aaron Gordon is that guy. He's also a pretty reliable scoring option, has been uh, the last couple of years. So I think getting Gordon, JaVale McGee, I thought was a nice addition as well. Uh, that was that was a good deal. I like what Chicago did. You know, I, I, I think that the Bulls did the right thing in trying to, you know, not get overly wrapped up in protecting their draft picks and keep the focus on winning. And, and Nikola Vucevic at 30 years old, along with Zach Levine, is probably going to put them in the playoffs, and you know that can be a jumping-off point for there. I also like what Boston did. I mean, you know, Evan Fournier, you know, people got on Danny Ainge for not making a deal that landed a Gordon or Harrison Barnes or somebody on a higher level, but Evan Fournier is a 20-point-per-game score that the Celtics gave up nothing for, like nothing. And that's been the biggest problem in Boston in recent years, where too much talent has gone out and not enough has gone in, whether it was Al Horford leaving for nothing, Gordon Hayward leaving for nothing, uh, you got to bring guys in without sending other stuff out, and Evan Fournier coming in is going to immediately make them better. So you know, it, it was, as to your point, there was some act, a lot of activity at the trade deadline. I'm just not sure it shook up the board all that much. I still think a healthy Lakers team, the Jazz, uh, you know, maybe the Clippers. If we get playoff Rondo, uh, they're still the favorites in the West and out, and out East. You know, the Nets. You know, when they get Durant back, are going to be just a scary offensive team. They didn't do anything at the trade deadline, and, and they still, I think, maintain their place at the uh, top of the Eastern Conference hierarchy. Two other moves in the West, uh, Chris, we wanted to run by. Uh, one is uh, Norm Powell to the Portland Blazers, and then uh, Andre Drummond with the Lakers. Uh, that seems like that's going to help that team. Yeah, on, on Powell to Portland, that, that helps them a lot. I mean, Powell has 67 playoff games on his resume. He's like somebody else made this analogy, and I and I, I like it. Uh, Powell is what Gary Trent aspires to be, like uh, could be in a few years. So they got like it's basically like they put Gary Trent in a in a time machine and, and sped him up, set his progress, and, and you got Norm Powell popping out, and so that, that's going to make them better. But the problem with the Blazers continues to be they don't defend anybody, and I don't know that Powell improves that at all. So you're still going into the playoffs with the mindset that you basically have to outscore everybody. And that doesn't work all that often uh, in the postseason. So that still concerns me uh, with Portland. I love Drummond to the Lakers. I mean, that 
But Drummond immediately becomes a starter. And I think people are going to get a look at just how good Andre Drummond is. I mean, there's been this this perception, and, and I understand it somewhat, but that Drummond was empty calories, that, oh, he's leading the NBA with rebounds, and he's putting up these 2020-type games, and, yeah, but he's doing it for the Pistons, and they stink, or the, the Cavaliers, and they stink. Well, yeah, they stink. Like, I, I keep harping on teammates, like, but – you know, Drummond's in Detroit, you know, with, and he has two seasons of making the playoffs to get beaten the first round, goes to Cleveland, which is a worse situation. And I don't know that you can, you can just assume a guy is, is not a winner because he's been in, in, in bad situations. He's going to be in Los Angeles, and he's not going to have to do much. He just has to rebound, roll to the basket, get easy buckets. He's going to average like 12 and 12 easily, I think, in these games. He's going to be a much better version, I think, of Dwight Howard. And I really think the perception – if. If he's successful, and I think he will be, the perception of Andre Drummond league-wide is going to change based on these next three months. Chris, you mentioned the Celtics. I want to ask you about them because they remain kind of one of the NBA's mysteries to me at uh, at 500 and sitting at 7th in the East. I certainly expected them to be to have a better record anyway at this point. Where do you expect them to finish? Are they going to go on a run? I think they'll play better with Fournier. Um, yeah, I, I just think having another scoring option there is going to be huge. It just takes a lot of pressure off Tatum and Brown. You know, Kemba's been so uh, unreliable because of injuries that, you know, having a guy that just is, is pretty consistent, you know, when it comes to scoring, uh, that's going to be a pretty valuable addition. But but they've got a ceiling. They're, they're not a top-tier team in the Eastern Conference. The tiers are pretty clear. I mean, you've got, you know, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee. You can probably add Miami to that first tier because of the moves they made. Um, and everybody else is kind of on the second tier. So if the Celtics, maybe they get a favorable first-round matchup, they can win that, but I, I, I don't see it. I don't see them getting anywhere near beyond the second round this year. They've, they've got some decisions to make this summer. They've, they've got to figure out that roster. There's just been, Again, there's been too much of a talent drain there over the last few years that as good as Tatum and Brown are, you need to do better, and they haven't hit on these draft picks. I mean, you know, Romeo Langford's been MIA. Aaron Neesmith, you know, their other lottery pick looks okay at times. Maybe he'll develop. Peyton Pritchard has been pretty good, but he's probably got a ceiling. Like they, they, they haven't been able to supplement that roster with talented guys. You know, while they've been losing veterans, and I don't know what what their I don't know what the solution is. They 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 they're just kind of between a rock and a hard place right now, going into the offseason. Coming back to the West, Chris, I wanted to ask you about the Suns because you mentioned them earlier when we were talking about rising teams like the Jazz. But is this a team to be feared in the playoffs? Do you think they could uh, they could knock off some of the you know the more expectant contenders? It, they can, um, but that's also a team that I think still needs to take its lumps. Um, you know, most of those guys have not been in the playoffs, and while Chris Paul has, and that's a big you know part of it, having your point guard you know, have the experience that he does. There's a lot of things you just can't teach and a lot of situations that, uh, that you just have to experience before you get better. I mean, every team has, has gone through it over the years, and this might be the year that Phoenix goes through it. Now, maybe because of their record, they can win a first-round series, but get into the second round against an experienced team, and it, they're not going to be a walkover, but I just wouldn't favor them against any of the top teams in the Western Conference. I, I love what they've done. I mean, DeAndre Aiden to me, is one of the most underappreciated players in the league because of the commitment he's made to the defensive end that's kept Phoenix, I believe, still right around that top 10 in the league defensively. Booker and, and Chris Paul have clicked like we thought they would. You know, they've got a bunch of other guys there that have played at, at a pretty high level. So 
I, I think they're they're on their way, but just a, a team's first trip to the playoffs, and that's really what this would be for the Suns, for most of them. It, it just gen- there's generally very few Cinderella stories that that are there, where where there's all this success the first time around, and and I think Phoenix, you know, after they get tested this year, uh, will be a team to be feared years to come. Chris, I want to ask you about the Orlando Magic, but let me let me uh, um, kind of tell you where my question is coming from. They they obviously are in asset accumula- accumulation mode and, and breaking it down a little bit. We had uh, Coach uh, Chie- Gordy Chiesa on with us earlier in the show, and he was a longtime Jazz assistant coach. He's an old school guy. He was a consultant actually for the Magic uh, five or six years ago. And uh, Gordon asked him if he liked what the Magic did. And, and Coach pushed back to a little bit, saying it kind of wasn't fair to the players that were there. And he talked about, you know, quick rebuilds or rebuilds on the fly. And I guess my question is, what do you think about teams that, that go for the big rebuild, you know, bottom out and acquire all those assets to, to rebuild? Or what do you think about the concept of rebuilding on the fly? Well, it, it's, it's proven that both methods – work to a degree you know philadelphia had one of the most historic tank jobs for several years and while they were vilified for it they did walk away with joel Embiid and ben simmons at you know two franchise cornerstones that have made them you know the contender that they are likely for years to come on the flip side of it you've got you know the miami heat which have consistently said we're not losing we're not tanking ever and what we're going to do is build a winning culture here and hit on these draft picks, undrafted free agents. I mean, they hit on Tyler Hero, a mid-first-round pick. They hit on Duncan Robinson. They hit on Bam Adebayo. These, these were not top-ten picks, blue-chip guys. They just identified them and, and drafted them. And, and that's really the secret to success if you're going to take that approach. Orlando is clearly just you know going the Philadelphia route here. And I, I don't give the Magic a ton of praise for that. I mean – they just did the easiest part, right? You you trade away your best players. You get draft picks in return. You can wave these shiny objects around. But you look at that Magic roster, and they're now rebuilding it around Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. And nobody in this league is going to tell you that Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac are top 20 at their respective positions. So you're building around, like, two guys that are just a tick above role players at this point. All you can do is say that, you know, you know, they better get a Kate Cunningham or somebody else that, that is uh, highly touted in the draft. And then as they move forward, they better hit on all these picks. The pressure's now on. Jeff Weltman, the, the top executive, John Hammond, the GM. I, uh, this is where it is. I mean, you guys know this in Utah. Like you, 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 The Jazz have been built on you know mid-level to end of the first round draft picks. And if you hit on them, great. You've, you've turned things around. You're an expert at building a team. If you miss, you, you look like an idiot. And at least if you look like an idiot if you're Miami – you're a team that's, that's fighting to make the playoffs and building a winning culture. Orlando can look terrible and be really bad in the process. Chris, wanted to ask you about the NBA's plan this year. A little different for playoff qualification. There's a play-in situation. The seventh-place uh, team and the eighth-place team, they play, and then the loser of that game plays the winner of the ninth-place team and the tenth-place team. Uh, in order to see who would get that eighth spot. What do you make of that? What do you think? I like it. It's made the end of the regular season um, exciting. And, look, we talked about the trade deadline. It's prevented, I think, teams from completely bottoming out. I mean, I think Sacramento, because they're kind of on the fringes in the mix, and it probably stopped them from making a deal that made them 
appreciably worse. Uh, I, I think it's just made – it'll make the last month of the season pretty exciting. It's what it did, you know, last year in the bubble when you had, you know, everybody talking about that Phoenix Suns run. Can they get in? Can they put themselves in position? It just, you know, the last month of the season can be, you know, really bad basketball as teams tend to mail it in to try to get down to the lottery. Now you've got a couple teams doing it, namely Orlando, um, and but the rest of them are, are kind of fighting for those last playoff spots. Now I don't think it's going to be – I don't think this format's going to be permanent. You're not going to have ten teams um, getting opportunities to make the playoffs, but I do think there will be a tweak to it where – the ninth seed will have a chance to make the playoffs. So if you're like within X number of games of the eighth seed, you can get into some form of a playoff term. I think that's the mindset the league is going to have moving forward. But I do think that some version of a playing game or a playing tournament is here to stay. It's just, it's just made things too exciting for the league in a last month of the season. That's traditionally been kind of the doldrums. Well, Chris, we appreciate it as always. And we'll catch you next week. You got it guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. I wonder about that, if they're going to keep some of these tweaks, Gordon. And, uh, initially, my reaction is, no, let's not do that. It feels kind of, I don't know. I don't. I certainly don't like it in baseball. Let me put it that way. But if you can find a way to make the last month of the season a little bit more entertaining, I mean, I'm certainly for ideas about that. Well, if the Jazz continue to hold on to that number one spot in the West, it'll be interesting to see who they end up playing. You know? I mean, yeah, I don't know. If the playoffs were to start today, the Grizzlies and the Warriors would play, and the winner of that game would play the loser of the Spurs and the Mavericks to see who would take that spot. Um so there would have been some conjecture that the Lakers, with all their injuries, might drop down to that part in that neighborhood. And I thought, holy cow, can you imagine if the Jazz go to all the trouble to win their freaking conference, that they would have to play the Lakers in the first round? That would be nobody's idea of fun. Yeah, Hollywood fun, would come fun. to Hooterville in, the, in round one. Fun. Fun. It depends fun. on what condition their stars fun. are in. Uh you know, if LeBron's compromised and Anthony Davis is compromised and that's the reason they fall to that spot, well, yeah, bring on that version of the Lakers because their surrounding cast isn't that good. I think both those guys are going to be healthy and ready to go, and I think Andre Drummond creates difficulty for the Jazz. I, I, I think that team is really, really dangerous. And, well, we'll see. Who knows where the Lakers are fourth right now. Uh, we'll see where they end up. How would uh, Drummond give give the Jazz so many problems? I just think adding that kind of uh, physical rebounding presence to the Lakers is going to help them. I think it's the opposite of the big that gives the Jazz trouble, personally. I think that plays right into the Jazz. That means they're running a lot of screens, and that means they're running Rudy, or bringing Rudy Gobert to the ball more and more. Hmm. And well, Rudy, we'll Rudy plays pretty well against those uh, rebounding types bigs. It's the, it's the Nikola Jokic's of the world that give Rudy trouble. Yeah, but yeah, but Rudy's not the—he's not everything. I mean, think about that for a second. If you got AD at full strength and you got LeBron completely healed up and ready to play, and you add in Andre Drummond to that, you don't think that would cause the Jazz any kind of trouble? No. I, in fact, I think the Lakers' most effective lineups all have AD playing five. 
Well, they and then, do that too. And then AD drags Rudy out of the paint. You play Andre yeah. Drummond, that leaves Rudy in the paint. That plays right into what the Jazz do. Mm. Well, we'll see. I, I think that he's a, a major, major boost for the Lakers. I mean, if he were that good too, somebody would have traded for him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. You and I are going to disagree on that point. I think Andre Drummond is a is a huge ad for the Lakers. Um, I mean, okay, yeah, he's he fills that Javale McGee role that they, I guess, were lacking. But again, I I think their best lineups are when Anthony Davis is at five. And if we're talking specifically about matchups against the Jazz. I think the more Andre Drummond plays, the better it is for the Jazz. Then that's every minute he plays is a minute that Rudy's not chasing Anthony Davis around. Okay, so if Anthony Davis is playing the four, who's going to guard him? Uh, well, in this case, you probably see Royce on him. <laughs> and you like that matchup? <laughs> yeah, because that means Anthony Davis, uh, well, let me put it this way. It means that he's outside shooting more as opposed to doing some other things that make Anthony Davis better. Uh, he can, But he does everything. I mean, he is that good, I think. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a good player. But when he's at five, it makes them unique. Okay, so if Royce O'Neal's playing AD, then who's playing LeBron? Maybe you put Royce on LeBron and maybe you put Bogdanovich on AD. Oh, and that's a nightmare. Come on. That's, you think that's a favorable matchup? Well, it depends. And then I want to see I want to see Bogdanovich but, try to guard Anthony here, Davis. Here, so, here's the point, Gordon, is that if you play Andre Drummond, that means Rudy is in the paint. And it means you can guard whoever you want with it, uh, or who, Anthony Davis with whoever you want because he's either shooting from distance or he's coming right into Rudy. I understand what you're saying, but I I think those are – unfavorable matchups for the Jazz, uh, even with Rudy in the middle. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Because if you say he'll shoot over Bogdanovich, I go, sweet. That means he's shooting from outside and not dunking on you. Uh, okay. I think you're simplifying this a little bit. I don't. Because I... if, if you got LeBron James on the court and then you have – Drummond, and you have AD. Uh, I, I like AD's matchup all the way around. Uh, there's nobody on the Jazz who can cover him. Right. So give me Rudy waiting at the rim because he doesn't have to chase okay, Drummond it, around the perimeter. It, it, it plays it, right it, into it, the, how the Jazz guard. Anthony Davis doesn't have to go to the rim in order to be effective. Again, then he's shooting, which is what I prefer Anthony Davis to do. Okay, but he's still going to kill you. He's not as good at that as, it, as he is around the rim. Fact. Nah, I mean, LeBron makes good. threes, and I'd still gap LeBron too. Yeah. The more uh, every time LeBron shoots a three, that means he's not dunking on me. I almost want to see that matchup just to see how our our breakdowns oh, I'd turn love out. It. Because I'm telling you, you're right sometimes, uh, Jake, but you're wrong on this one. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> oh, when Law comes on with us on Wednesday, we'll ask him about this. Okay. Let's ask him about how he feels like Andre, how he feels about Andre Drummond going to the Lakers. And I have a pretty strong feeling he's going to think that's disadvantaged jazz. Oh, I doubt that. Well, let's ask him on Wednesday. Let's definitely ask him on in Wednesday. In fact, I think I saw him tweet something out. He said that Andre Drummond staying in the East would be a great benefit to the Jazz. Dave uh, Locke will join us on Wednesdays. We'll talk to him. All right. We'll, we'll find out. That. All right, we'll have more next. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. 
Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. You've known PK a long time, and you know how he can turn a phrase. He posts this, add Doc Rivers, who said the Clippers and Lakers are the teams to beat in the West, to the list of those doubting us. What's with these people? Would you like to take a stab at answering that? I was just looking at the Jazz. There's a good chance they're going to be 38 and 11 and really put themselves in the driver's seat to win that whole conference, and still comments are being made like that. I don't get it, and it just doesn't make any sense, but that's the mentality of the big city, and to not include Utah is a huge smack in the face. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, he's Ryan from The Dish Professionals. Wants to save you money and help you watch basketball. And uh, in the fall, more football too. More sports in general. What's going on, Ryan? How are you? I'm great. Uh, It's always good when we get to help people save money, upgrade. Now listen, if you're one of the many, you're frustrated, current provider, either the bill's just super expensive or maybe it's not reliable or maybe you know you've got some issues and things aren't working properly and so just getting service is just it's just a pain guys listen let's make it really easy pick up the phone and call us we'll get you an unbelievably good promotion throw in dinner at uh, jcw's on us get you set up with the award-winning hopper and here's the thing the DVR is going to be bigger. It's going to be faster. You get a voice remote, which is a Google Assistant in every room of your house. Um, you get this great promotion where the price is guaranteed. This is a promise from Dish that will keep, you know, the peace of mind so you know you have the same price for the next two years. Now, your current provider just raised your rates. They're going to raise your rates two more times or in the same amount of period, you can get set up with something cheaper than what you're currently paying or even what you're currently paying before they raised your rates. And then the price is going to stay the same for at least two years guaranteed. We'll get you set up and installed for free. We'll get you uh, also movie channels, guys. Get those set up. And also, I'll tell you, Dish On Demand is amazing. 60,000 just the free. Not even talking about anything else. Free movies, 60,000 free movies on Dish. But this is sports stations, right? You want to watch games? You pick up your remote. You say the name of your team. It'll bring up the whole schedule. You can select recordings. It's really cool with Dish. We used to get calls all the time about what channel the Jazz game on. No longer. You pick up your voice remote the first time and you say Utah Jazz. And then when you go to set a recording, it says, would you like to just record all the games? You say yes. And it just does it for you. Plus, when you're out and about, you have access to all your DVR recordings and all the games on your mobile device and even an Amazon Fire Stick. Nobody can do this. Nobody but Dish. Call us. Let us upgrade you. We'll save you money, get you a better system, throw in dinner. It's easy. 424-DISH. Call us now. Or if you want, come by our office, 8034 South State. You can check out the system in person. I promise we'll blow your mind and we'll make you happy. 801-424-DISH. 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 More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. 
This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. You've known PK a long time, and you know how he can turn a phrase. He posts this, add Doc Rivers, who said the Clippers and Lakers are the teams to beat in the West, to the list of those doubting us. What's with these people? Would you like to take a stab at answering that? I was just looking at the Jazz. There's a good chance they're going to be 38 and 11 and really put themselves in the driver's seat to win that whole conference and still come are being made like that. I don't get it. And it just doesn't make any sense. But that's the mentality of the big city. And to not include Utah is a huge smack in the face. Steve Cleveland this morning with DJ and PK. It's Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Doc Rivers was asked uh, to give his thoughts on the Western Conference. I'll get to a few of these, Gordon. And I know you uh, have some thoughts on it as well said, quote, listen, Utah has been great, but I still think the Clippers and Lakers are still the teams to beat in the West. Uh, Rivers admitted, uh, hasn't seen him a bunch, he said, from afar, uh, that, uh, uh, let's see here, he he doesn't see them because he's uh, there on the West Coast or whatever, but let me get this other quote. He said, quote, I thought Denver had a great trade deadline. They did great moves. Utah's playing unbelievable basketball, so they're going to be right there. Portland, I thought, improved their team as well, but I still think it's the Lakers and the Clippers, unquote. So the question becomes, and I'm all for people giving their opinions. I think it's fantastic that people do give their opinions. But if he said he doesn't see the teams in the West play that much, but he still puts forth uh, an opinion like that, it's interesting, especially since some of it is his tie to the Clippers and him saying that they play a lot like they did under his leadership. So what was he doing there? So he doesn't really know what he's talking about, which never stops me and you (laughs) from having our opinions. True fact. But – but he he gave his a controversial opinion about teams in the West when he says he doesn't really see them play. So what is he what is he judging that on? Because if it's the Utah Jazz that sort of are in in his mind's eye from past seasons, well, this team is different. This team is different than those seasons. The only way the Jazz is going to prove this is like what Chris was saying. That or at Gordy, that they they have to prove it in the playoffs. They they do, and then then I think some of this idle chatter will subside. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I I think this sounds kind of off the cuff to me. I don't think the Jazz fans should put much stock into this. Well, he said the Jazz are playing great basketball, so it's not like he was going. Yeah, they got, there are a bunch of dogs out there, but he was. Uh, he was showing sort of – I think he was putting forth sort of a feeling that we – that Jazz fans and Jacob heard you complain about it, this general idea, this notion that it's the Jazz. Yeah, you it's know? easy. It, the, the Jazz are easy to drag. So we probably – but I, I don't know if he's dragging the Jazz here or if he's just talking off the cuff and the Lakers have LeBron and the Clippers have – Kawhi and and Paul George and it's kind of the easy opinion to have. So none of this other stuff matters as long as you've got those guys, right? In you know, and, was the, and it's easy was to he, say that because nobody's going to really disagree with you. I saw this the other night. I think it was Saturday night is when I first saw it. Is that when he said it? And and I it caught my attention because it was being presented on major 
sports websites around the country. And I wondered how jazz fans would react. Did you get any sense for that? Were, were people really up in arms over this? Uh, I don't know if I got any sense for that because I didn't really do a deep dive into the reaction. I like I've got uh, your guy Eric Walden's tweet up about it right now, and he got a bunch of responses. So, I mean, people obviously it, it generated a reaction, but I mean, yeah, Doc Rivers is the point as a coach where he doesn't need to necessarily think politically about his answers, and I think he's just answering the question as he sees it and he even mentions he even says well, i'm not even watching that much that's so what even, i said no I, I'm, so not, we, I'm not disagreeing with you i'm just saying he's even downgrading his own opinion you know what i mean <laughs> so do you would you elevate it to the status of what we heard steve say there that that's a slap in the face uh i i if i'm quinn snyder that's exactly what i'm saying <laughs> use it to your advantage heck yeah I'm, I'm Nobody respects us. You yeah. know, it's the same old thing. Nobody believes in us. Let's yeah. go prove everybody the world wrong. Let's shock the world. Yeah, it's adorable. I don't think that uh, the team is really <laughs> different than fans in that way, where they'll pick out the part that's about me, and uh, and uh, that means more than any you know than the rest of it, or than anything else really. So utilize it for what it's good for. Absolutely. That force and focus that Quinn always talks about. And it's the reason so, that most coaches go out of their way to not say those sort of things. I just think Doc is long enough in the tooth that he doesn't really give a what. I mean, we had a discussion about this off the air, and Austin brought up Steve Kerr, who just heaps praise upon anybody in the room. And he's doing that because he's not going to hand out motivation to the other guy. But Doc doesn't care. He's in the Eastern Conference. He's already played the Jazz twice, right? I mean... He doesn't care. By the next time he plays the Jazz, they'll either be in the finals or everybody will have long forgotten. I wonder how Doc would react if uh, somebody in the West was asked about what was going on in the East, and they said, ah, the Sixers are in first place, but that, that, that won't last. They're playing great basketball, but I believe in this team and this team. He'd email, that, he he'd email that quote to every player on his team. <laughs> so... So Quinn Snyder should text Doc and say, I appreciate it. Thanks for the assist. Yeah, and, and dial in Shaq on that, too. <laughs> they are adorable. And Nick Wright, yeah. And Nick Wright. Yeah, bring him it's in adorable. on the whole thing. Yeah. Jazz fans may not like it, but deep down, if you ask the coaches about it, they love it. If if I understand that the jazz players are are, are dialed in on what the task at hand is, but I wonder how deep this penetrates with them. Austin think, Austin brings up a great example in my ear. Hero ball, where Andy Larson, like this was like six games ago, was tweeting about, is Donovan Mitchell playing hero ball? Did not even tagging Donovan Mitchell, mind you. And Donovan knew about it before his post-game interview and brought it up. <laughs> and and by the way, I think that Friday's after Friday's postgame after Memphis was the first postgame he didn't bring it up. And the the postgame, the game before, he made a joke about it. Where he said, I was good. I told Derek I was going to try and get Hero Ball in two times. So every one of these comments is being duly noted by Jazz players. Oh, not, yeah. not just the fans, but the players. Oh, the yeah. players are aware of what Doc Rivers said, and they are being motivated beyond what they were ordinarily to 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 climb to new heights this team knows it is very well aware of that you got to prove it thing i i I think that is now they i don't know whether they know how hard it's going to be to prove everybody wrong 
but they are aware of it and it does motivate them and they were already motivated as it was because that's the nature of the players that just have their conscientious in that regard but i i think i for instance okay do you think the game against memphis the second game because of the way the emotional way the first game ended that the jazz said the hell with that we're gonna go out there and we're gonna kick your butts i'll bet you they thought that mm, i know donovan mitchell felt that way about dylan brooks yeah. um but i mean it got physical it got physical at the end there and the jazz gave up that big lead and I, I think on Saturday night, those guys, that helped. The, 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 if that game had, if the Jazz had won that, that first game by 21, uh, I, I think they would not have been as crisp as they were coming out in the second game. And so from that standpoint, giving up that lead and, and getting roughed up a little bit by the Grizzlies actually did do the Jazz a favor. Coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. Aaron Roderick joins us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, the BYU Offensive Coordinator. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Monday on the big show. That means one thing. It's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you'll win a zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Only here on the Zone Sports Network. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. It's time for the Nod Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Well, uh, we're going to a couple places, but the first place we're going to is Egypt. Good news, Jake. The ever given, the huge ship that had uh, blocked the Suez Canal for, what, six days or something? Costing like $9 billion per day has been freed. Has been freed by a fleet of tugboats. The CEO of the salvage firm that was hired to extract the Ever Given said, We pulled it off! I'm excited to announce that our team of experts working in close collaboration with the Suez Canal Authority successfully refloated the Evergreen, thereby making free passage through the Suez Canal possible again. Yeah, I liked my idea better. Blowing it up. <laughs> Your idea? Was it our I idea? I said that and you guys mucked me to the street and back. That's not true. I said nuke the thing. <laughs> you can't do that. It had like didn't that have it had like twenty thousand huge containers on it? We'll get the containers. Probably, probably, probably had your next, you know, 
package of uh, hockey pucks or something loaded in there, Austin, and then he wouldn't have been able to play hockey anymore. This thing had jammed Sounds up you know, shipping. I make my hockey pucks at home. <laughs> this thing had jammed up shipping all across the world. I mean, did you see that? Tra- did you see that guy who used to be a traffic reporter do that video of his uh, his traffic update? Did you see that, Jake? No. It was pretty funny, actually, because he made it sound like he was in a helicopter just talking about the clogged 134 freeway. You know, traffic is backed up here, nothing doing there, on and on. And it was showing the ships that were stranded in a traffic jam not being able to get through. So good news, everybody. You're going to get your toilet paper and your underwear that you ordered up again. Because uh, the ships can pass through the Suez Canal. Good news. Then this, there's this story. This, this, this just makes me ask a question, Jake, that I'm curious to know. Have you seen these instances of people who have essentially been uh, cranking out fake vaccination cards to people? Uh, apparently. I'm sure it's a thing. These vaccine cards apparently are enabling people to do some things that ordinarily they wouldn't be able to do, blah, 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 blah. And so what what these folks are doing, including this man from Florida who's going to this is this is not good news for him. He lost his job and he's going to end up facing charges. But uh, making these fake cards saying this individual has been vaccinated. But my question is this. If you can go get a vaccine and an attendant vaccine card for free, why would you pay somebody for a fake vaccination card? I, I just, why would you do that? I don't know. You don't want Bill Gates chipping you? <laughs> yeah. Do you think people really believe that stuff? I have no idea. But it, jokes aside, there are people that believe vaccinations are medically oh, yeah. unsound. Uh-huh. Not well, my not my stance, but there are those out there. There's a lot of them out there. Okay, so the people who say that, do they know more than these uh, expert uh, uh, epidemiologists and uh, researchers who have spent the past four decades studying infectious diseases? Probably. Do, do they know more than those people do? Probably, yeah. <laughs> So, so you're going to trust uh, your friend Bobby, who failed 10th grade science. You're going to believe him and not the world's leading doctors. Ah, 10th grade science was political. He, he was smarter than that teacher let on. My buddy Bobby was a good student. I don't know what you're talking about failing science. <laughs> teach, teach had it out for Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Gordon, uh, measles killed millions of people forever, and there's still people who don't get the measles vaccine. What do you, I, I don't know. But that that's why, to, to answer your question, why would you do that? It's because you don't want to get vaccinated, but you want the benefits allowed yeah. to those who have been vaccinated. Correct. The only way we're going to achieve herd immunity is by getting the vaccines. That, 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 if that's a controversial statement, then so be it. By the way, did you have a teacher that ever, did you ever have a teacher who held something against you and you ended up with a worse grade than you would have gotten otherwise without that uh, interruption of relationship? Oh, sure, but I deserved it. 
What'd you do? No, I'm not going to answer that, but I deserved it. What'd you do? I'm Come not going to answer that, but I deserved oh, it. That was a long time ago, Austin. No one's holding that against you. Statute of limitations I, is I'm up. Not, I'm not answering the question, and you can't make me. Did you, Gordon? You think you had a teacher out for you? Uh, I had one teacher who who didn't like me, but I had like three or four teachers who who really liked me, and uh, I got I got carte blanche Safety from those patrol. teachers. One was one was in third grade, Mrs. Galperin. May she rest in peace. I assume she's not around anymore, but she 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 loved me and my my good friend. She loved us. And we, we could do just about anything we wanted. And you know what the trick was? To gain her trust. We gained her trust and then abused it horribly. Sounds about right. And then I had a, uh, oh, oh, I had a, I had a, a student teacher in 10th th- in grade who she was, she, she was, it was like out of a movie. She was beautiful. And for whatever reason, she liked me, and I, and I kind of liked her, not in any kind of untoward way, but she she uh, made that a very easy A. <laughs> but I, then I had the teacher who did not like me, and he and I, I I think it may have influenced my grade a little bit, but uh, that was not that was not a particularly pretty relationship. I I did not like that guy. And he didn't like me for whatever reason. I can't imagine. Can you? I love your stories, Gordon. Please tell another. I just uh, am interested in Gordon's Harold and Maud like affair back in high school. <laughs> got really, really gross. Stay tuned. Coach Aaron Roderick joins us next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.